When your life depends on it, when everything is on the line, you've got to get real about addiction treatment. Only Karen offers 65 years of medical expertise in evidence-based treatment with real proven results. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. So if you're ready for something real, visit caron.org slash real today. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Jeep Freedom Days are here, where right now, well-qualified returning FCA lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2022 Grand Cherokee WK Laredo E4x4 for $369 a month for 36 months with $3,799 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution at least across her capital. Lessee is responsible for termination fees. Current lease must end by 7-3-23. Extra charge for miles over $30,000. Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 7-5-22. Jeep is a registered trademark. What up? It's Tuesday. Terrific. Like our, like our bro Mario from Mario Bros would say. Here we go. What? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Welcome to Benzinga Cannabis Insider. We're here to have fun, help you make money, inform oh, you. No, drop a one in the chat if you want to see that energy from Javier every single episode. Mario Bros channeling it to start us off. I love it. No, no, no. Uh, Next week, I'll do Mickey, Mickey Mouse. <laughs> you're almost Italian. That was actually pretty close to Mickey Mouse. So <laughs> you're not wrong there, man. How are you? Uh, molto bene. <laughs> oh, molto bene. Pura vida. See, I'll, I'll jump on the Latin American train as well. Let's but, go. Let's yeah. go. Let's go into the news. News. Cannabis news, y'all. Drop us a headline, Javi. What's going on in your space? No man? time to waste. Direct from Latin America. Chiron Life Sciences just opened another medical cannabis clinic in Colombia. Serenia Clinics. I think it's their fourth cannabis clinic down there. I visited one of their, their clinics down there a few months ago in Bogota their flagship clinic. Uh, and I was very impressed. I got to say, I, I wasn't bullish on, on Chiron for a while, but but I've seen them pivot their model, visited their facility. I, I mean, I just like, I, you know, just to like preface what, you know, how you changed. I like to like, what was what were you not bullish about before? I didn't love the model. You know, at first, I, it, you know, generally just like Colombia, you know, companies operating in Colombia really struggled there for a, for a while in terms of, of, of yeah, um, a lot of a lot of bad shorting reports for companies in that area. Uh, yeah, I totally see. Yeah, yeah. And, and I had some personal, you know, reservations in relation to to the stock, which I brought up with the CEO Alvaro Torres, and he was very receptive. And he was like, "Dude, thank you for the feedback. We'll improve." Uh, and you know, when I came back a year later, they had improved a bunch. And when I came back this year, I was like, "Wow, this is fantastic yeah. progress." So Alvaro is amazing. He's such a good leader for that company. And I mean, Javier, what do you think about them and the opportunity that they have with the Mexican market? Oh, it's huge as well. I think it's huge. Just by the way, we're talking about Chiron Life Sciences Corporation. That is K-H-R-N-F on the OTC. Once again, K-H-R-N-F on the OTC. Um, Mexican opportunity seems, seems pretty decent. Their international opportunity is 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 cool as well. They're doing some you know some inroads into the U.S. So overall, very very interesting stuff 
to keep an eye on. What do you have, Mr. Elliot Lane? Yes, thank you. Sorry, I had to unmute myself. Um, so I'm looking over at Canopy. I'm feeling a little CGC action today, and this is not the biggest story that I think I'll bring up or we will bring up. You know, we're probably getting um, to our, our our big MSO news of the day, but I want to give a shout out to CGC. Uh, they are up right now uh, in their stock. I believe they're up around 6% nice. uh, on the news that their BioSteel uh, drink will be introduced to 15,000 new stores. 15,000 new stores. That is super cool. And you know what? There's a lot of haters out there just uh, talking about Tilray's, T-L-R-Y, Tilray's strategy, you know, where they are not only doing cannabis, but also investing into non-cannabis um, companies. We discussed this with their CEO, Erwin Simon, a couple of weeks ago. You can find the, the full interview on our YouTube channel, Benzinga. Amazing interview, and I can say that because I was not a part of it. Super cool. A lot of people question, you know, their 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 decision to get involved in non-cannabis stuff. I think it's, it's, it's very smart, right? Why do you have to limit your revenue source to just one, right? As well, long as they, they do cannabis, you know, great. You know, think of the future of distribution. You know, alcohol has a massive distribution uh, footprint in the U.S. You know, think of what Sundial is doing with Alcana. They're massively expanding their distribution uh, potential, with the uh, acquisition of these alcohol companies. And, you know, whether that plays into THC or not, most likely beverages first, and then perhaps other products, we'll see. But that, that is something to keep an eye on in terms of how uh, these breweries could affect the bottom line. Of so, yeah, so my, sorry, I, I, I mixed a little bit, you know. The, you know, I started talking about Tilray, we we're talking about Canopy. Uh, they they both have the strategy, by the way. Right? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but by the way, if you wonder between Tilray and Canopy Growth, which one of these two stocks could slam shorts harder? We did a chart war today on Benzinga.com slash cannabis, and you can oh, check can out. Can we have a drum roll? Oh, wait, you're not going to announce it. Okay, never mind. We don't need a drum roll. Check oh, no, out no, no. com slash cannabis for that. Uh, <laughs> no spoilers here. I'm going to give you a, a, my own personal drum roll for you, Javier. So I think, you know, I, we, we probably have a couple more news items or time for a couple more news items here. Um, IIPR, uh, $300 million senior secured note offering due in 2027, uh, going to be going to the same thing that they always do with money, uh, which is specialized real estate assets. So, uh, nothing new there, but they're probably getting ready for another round of acquisitions with this. Uh, so keep an eye on them. I, I oh, they yeah. have a massive amount of properties. It's insanity. Um, what about Verano talking about that's, money? That's where we're going next, man. How how MSO acquiring MSO, right? This is this is probably the storyline of the day. Everybody's expecting 2022 to be another massive year of MA, if not a bigger year for MA. You know, Javier actually question, side note. Same as 2021 or bigger or better, worse than 2021? What do you think 2022 has got for us? I mean, I hope better. We, you know, the country, the, the, you know, the, the industry needs to continue to grow. So I'd expect nothing more too. Yeah, man. I mean, this is huge, I think. I think Verano uh, gets a presence in New York City. I think they, if I'm not mistaken, and free, feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, Javi, one new cultivation site, four new active dispensaries, four new dispensaries, uh, that are planned to open up in the New York market, plus some distribution uh, that includes 
um, like the Met Stadium, and, you know, that surrounding area, which is highly touristic. Um, they get, I believe, eight new dispensaries in Minnesota, and they're one of two licensees right. in that state. Um, they get New Mexico assets, which is pretty highly coveted right now. I mean, massive, massive acquisition for them. And it was all stock. Any hesitations there, Javi? For me, there are none. But I mean, you know, very, very, very cool transaction. V-R-N-O-F on the OTC for those looking to trade. This is in no way a recommendation, but another yeah. great company to follow. Um, I do like a couple more quick ones and we should be ready for our guest. One is uh, a little bit of a, a bad news item out of our friends at High Times. They lost yet another CEO, Peter Hovar, uh, resigned due to personal reasons. Um, and a very cool report out of Deloitte Canada looked into the cannabis sector in uh, the country, uh, highlighting that it has pulled in $15 billion in taxes and thousands of jobs, but still lacks diversity. You can find, uh, you know, details on the report on Benzinga.com slash cannabis. Javier, and this is a, a separate question, but you saying the word reports gives me PTSD a little bit. Um, so recently there's been study after study after study of cannabis, right? So you're looking at mm -hmm. uh, dr or driving while intoxicated with cannabis studies. You're looking at smoking cannabis when you're pregnant studies. You're looking at more driving while you're intoxicated with cannabis studies. You're looking at a lot of studies that are um, coming out with decently obvious results, right? Yes. Don't be intoxicated while driving would be a, a thought there going into oh, this. Yeah. So but it's important to study it, right? Yeah. Anecdotal well, evidence and, and real studies, scientific, con, you know, with, with control groups, double blind, whatever it is, depending on, on the, the nature of the study and the methodology. For specifically, we'll say specifically for the driving while intoxicated study, you don't think that that is, you, you think that that needed to be studied? I think it did. I think it did, especially because it's not so obvious. The results are not always so obvious. And also because, uh, you know, we, when we think about driving while intoxicated on cannabis, we think about a recreational user just being stoned out of their mind driving. But the fact remains that a lot of people use cannabis medicinally and, and, and many times they use products that even though they might have traces of THC, they are not yeah. strong enough to be. Well, even as a performance enhancer, I think that's my ultimate point is that gray area that seems to have been missed. But, you know, just a thought there. Uh, I know there's a lot of reports coming out, so I uh, just thought it was worth touching on and getting your thoughts on it, though. The wonderful Javier Hase. But <laughs> Okay, Elliot, tell us, who is our guest today? We have joining us the head honcho. It is Ryan from Possibit. I don't have your last name in front of me. That's so embarrassing. Uh, Ryan Hamlin. Where are you? Ryan Hamlin. I can bring him Ryan. up. Whoop, whoop, whoop. There he is. How's it going? Maybe. I believe so. All right. Well, he's coming shortly, but Possibit. Super cool company um, that I'm super interested in the tech side of this. So if you all are catching up on the cannabis industry in any way, shape, or form, tech has taken a large step forward uh, in, in cannabis. You're seeing tech uh, every which way from POS to, to e-commerce and distribution models, uh, and, you know, just 
it, it's growing and, and it's progressing in ways that uh, are far quicker than I think any other industry has. But of course, other industries pave the way to an extent. Uh, Javier, you know, do you have any insights, anything you want to touch on in, in regards to that while we're getting Ryan on? I mean, honestly, what, what you're saying is, is pretty much spot on, right? You know, technology uh, is super important to the cannabis industry, even though one would think it, it you know, it's, it's all about growing cannabis again and, and, and selling weed and, and transporting it, right? Uh, there's an increasing need for tech um, on things from, from whatever, like point of sales, which is, of course, what we will be discussing today to, you know, see to sell tracking, uh, management systems, inventory management, personnel management, HR uh, software. And uh, a lot of the mainstream solutions that are out there don't really work very well uh, within the cannabis industry, right? Um, yeah, that's fair. Well, there's a lot more compliance and regulation uh, and hurdles that companies have to jump through, that tech companies have to make them available to jump through. Uh, so Possibit will be doing that. Um, while we're waiting on him, I think you had a very here's Ryan. Ryan. <laughs> Sorry, guys. It's always your internet connection right before you go on. It's beautiful. <laughs> All good, man. I've been struggling with internet for like a week and a half and oh, finally got it figured out. So you got to figure it out in 10 seconds. You're beating me. <laughs> um, how are you, man? I'm good. Other than that, you know, this has happened one other time. Uh, it's it just seems like internet works great all the time, and then as soon as you get on a live broadcast, it's like the the gremlins of the internet turn you off or something. I don't know. Well, we're live and alive, and we can hear you perfectly. So, Brian, awesome. tell us a little bit about you. Post a bit what you do. All right. Well, first thing is Javier. I got to correct you. It's pause a bit, not pose a bit. Ooh. <laughs> pause a bit. So here's why. Pause a bit. There's all kinds of things. Pause, you know. Pause a bit. See, come on. I like it. No? And it's also point of sale. <laughs> so it's very easy to remember, man. <laughs> Perfect. Never ever again will I forget. All right. No. So pause a bit. Uh, my background. I've been in the software industry for 30 years, as you can tell. Um, I was an executive at Microsoft for about 16 years ran a bunch of different things at the company and then started my first startup uh, It supported small businesses, online subscriptions, uh, sold that business off and then started pause a bit in 2015. So we've been around six years now. Um, the company was formed uh, at the time when I live in Seattle, Washington was the second state to legalize, as you guys know. So we've been uh, busy up here since 2012 when it legalized in 2014 when the first stores opened. And uh, the problem, as you know, is cash only. So we decided if we could solve this cash only problem, it'd be a pretty interesting uh, solution. So our yeah. very first version of Posibit was a crypto based payment solution. Uh, we've come a long way since then. Um, we have now a, a full point of sale that competes, you know, with the, the leaf logics and green bits and trees of the world. We also have a full payment system that provides um, B2C ACH payments. It, it provides true debit payments um, as well as, you know, we've heard a lot about the point of banking. We're kind of moving away from that. Um, but so we have a full payments business. We processed this last year. We processed close to 400 million through our payments business. We've got about 300 plus stores across the United States using our software. Um, and then we um, we're, we're traded publicly on the OTC um, as uh, uh POSAF and then on the um, 
CSE as PBIT. Um, and we made that decision to trade back in 2019. So we've been public now for a couple of years. And um, this year we, we came out with our um, kind of preliminary earnings report for 2021. Um, and we exceeded our guidance. We had given guidance to the street of 19 uh, to 20 and a half million in revenue and exceeded that guidance. And we also um, grew our quarter over quarter revenues between Q3 and Q4. So we've doubled revenue pretty much every year since we've been in existence last year. Um, we did about 8 million. So not too bad to grow over 20 million this, this last year. And we gave guidance to the street of 36 to 39 million um, in this coming year. So wow. companies going through pretty heavy growth. And, uh, you know, if you look at our stock price, obviously, and you start looking at multiples, obviously every CEO would say you're undervalued, but you know, we're trading at a pretty low multiple right now of sales. Um, you know, if you look at our market cap, so that at a high level is kind of our story, but, um, what so else? You, you have an all encompassing product, right? It, it's yeah. possible unlimited. So, yeah. you know, that covers a lot of what you were just talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, so, you know, looking at that in this growth that you're talking about this year, are you planning on doing that by adding more clients? Are you planning on creating a, a higher price point for this unlimited product? Yep. Uh, I'm curious how you achieve, you know, growth year over year, because obviously you're doing it. I'm just curious yeah. as the process. Yeah, a lot of it. I mean, it's a combination of same store growth. So obviously, you know, with the 300 plus stores we have today, we continue to see more and more sales. So when we come in with our debit solution, we might represent maybe 20 or 25 percent of their sales. It's still 75 percent cash as the customer gets used to paying with their debit card. The merchant sees that their average ticket is going up. In most cases, it's almost double what a cash transaction is. It's obviously a better experience for the customer to pay with plastic and it's a much safer environment. So over time, we see same store growth go from 25% up to, we've got some stores in, in Colorado and California that are doing over 65% of their sales through our plastic versus cash, which is awesome. Um, we all know cash, you know, it's, it comes with all kinds of difficulties. Um, even here in the state of Washington, there's been, you know, a, a ton of, of robberies, unfortunately, almost daily up here. It's just getting ridiculous. So we can provide a solution that's a much safer solution. And as the owners and customers appreciate that, you get some natural same store growth. The other is just overall mm -hmm. cannabis growth. As you guys know, the numbers well, I mean, roughly 85, I think we're pushing close to 9,000 dispensaries down in the U.S. You know, we're only in 300. So the, the huge market opportunity for us to grow the business we're in 15 states today. Um, we'll be, you know, adding probably at least six or seven more states over the course of the next nine to 12 months. Um, so there's a lot of growth there. And the other thing is, you know, we we position ourselves as wanting to provide an integrated solution for not just POS and payments, but you know, you can think of us doing invoicing and payroll. Um, you know, we'll talk probably about our cash advance program. We have a, a really good self-serve kiosk that allows people if they order online to come in the store actually pay for it at the kiosk and not even have to interact with a bud tender or if you know or if you know what you want you can walk right up to our kiosk and just order it and pay for it and then literally wait for your name to be called you know, like mcdonald's and ordering a cheeseburger and they just call you up front when it's ready <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So quick follow up, though, you mentioned the states that you're in. Are there hurdles for your company when, when looking at a new state market in this industry? Yeah, I mean, as you guys know, every state is different. And, you know, we always have to look at, you know, the difference between the medical and recreational, if they support both as far as limits. Um, obviously, taxation is a big part of every state having different tax rules. 
Um, and then as we go in, we are a registered money services business with um, FinCEN. And so we have to abide by all the FinCEN regulatory requirements. And so compliance is a huge part of, you know, why we've been able to be successful and frankly not, you know, there's a lot of people in this industry that have done some pretty shady things when it comes to processing. Um, and we know those stories and, you know, from day one, we've always said we will do everything 100% compliant. So one of the first things we do when we go into a state is we actually meet with the cannabis, um, you know, cannabis and liquor control board or, or whoever's running it in that particular state to totally understand what the requirements are. And then we also demo all of our solutions and explain to them, hey, here's why it's compliant. Here's how we're doing this. If you wanna to talk to any other states that we've done business in, you know, here's our contacts. We have really great referrals in you know, each of the states that we work with because we try to really establish relationships at that highest level in, in the cannabis related kind of sector when it comes to government uh, and public positions. And you're talking a lot about credit cards and debit cards and plastic and, and compliance, right? Uh, do you think you can you can maybe explain to, to our viewership a little bit about what's going on with Visa, you know, Visa cracking down on, on cashless ATMs? What What is a cashless ATM? How does it work? How is possible uh, offering a different solution there? You bet. So the first thing, credit, we absolutely don't do credit. <laughs> and that's that's a that's definitely a no-no. And everyone in the industry, you know, does not, you know, or should not be doing credit. There are people out there that miscategorize it, but no, absolutely we don't do credit. Um, on the you know, the cashless ATM, it's been one of these things that's been around in the industry for 10 plus years. And it's the whole idea of a cashless ATM is it's literally an ATM that instead of spit it out in 20s, it's just crediting for your transaction. So you walk up and let's say you're gonna buy three pre-rolls and it's 35 bucks, um, you would run it as if you were pulling, let's say $40 out of the ATM. And instead of pulling $40 out of the ATM and giving the bud tender $40, you're in essence running that transaction at the point at which you're paying for your three pre-rolls. And instead of giving 20 or 40 bucks, the bud tender is gonna basically pay you back the change as if you gave them 40 bucks. So they'll pay you, you'll get your three pre-rolls and you'll get five bucks back. It's a very common scenario. They've been doing this in casinos. Um, the adult industry <laughs> has done this for for years and years. It's one of those weird kind of, you know, this industry as a whole is gray. We all know that. And, you know, there was this visa memo that came out and there's conspiracy theories about is that memo even real? Um, and, and it's kind of been it's taken its own life. It's been kind of funny as we've we've talked about it in the industry. But, you know, certainly um we we take everything serious and, and so when we saw that we kind of dug into it to make sure that everything we're doing we're not putting our merchants in jeopardy and to be honest you know that that's always been what we've been doing for the last six years and in this this industry pivots so much and you know we you know safe banking it's it's on it's off and now it's back on and, and it's like everything is kind of moving and a lot of these gray areas with point of banking and with debit have been um, something that if you if you do it the proper way and you are compliant and you're forthright and you're not and you're transparent with what you're doing, you're not going to get sideways. I mean, where people get sideways mm -hmm. is they they lie about what the you know MCC code is and they they you know they have a EIN number for their business that's a clothing shop and it's a cannabis shop. Like mm -hmm. it's just silly stuff, right? That we don't even touch those, right? I mean, if you come to us and you try to, to work with us, you know, we, you have to give us your marijuana license. We do back 
background checks on all your, if you've had any violations, we, we check your address to make sure it lines up with, with your cannabis store. All of that information is passed on to our banks. I mean, it's full transparency. So that is kind of the key, I think, in our success is that we haven't played games. We've really just tried to, you know, work within the boundaries that this, this <laughs> industry allows you to. And, you know, it, it is, and like I said, it, oh, we're not, it's gray, but, you know, I think great innovation happens in industries sometimes that have a lot of gray, right? So I guess that's what I'll say on that. So I, I'm very curious here, right? Uh, you, you, you constantly mention how this company, there's a, 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 how this industry, there's a lot of gray. And I agree, right? And, you know, what's the difference between a compliant loophole and a non-compliant loophole? Because there seems, it seems to be a very nuanced, subtle difference, right? How is what Possibit does legal and compliant, but a cashless ATM isn't? Even though it's there, not just in cannabis stores, but as you mentioned in, say, strip clubs. Yeah, yep. Yeah, I think it's it's one of these weird things to say. It's kind of in the eyes of the beholder. It's whoever is interpreting <laughs> interpreting what they read, you know. And and I think we all like read with our own eyes and and feel like that it's part of. We we take our perspective, right? And so if you come at it from a, a strong regulatory cannabis is illegal, you know, never can you do this. Then you're going to read that with one perspective. If you come at it with hey, we're trying to provide a set of services. We're working within the rules as we understand them, the card brand rules and the banking rules, and we're fully transparent with the bank on everything we're doing, then that's acceptable, right? And it's a really fine line between those two. And I think that's the challenge here. And, it, you know, the good news is, you know, I, I truly do believe safe banking is, is on the near horizon. I mean, it, it has gone back and forth, but I think with the reintroduction this last weekend, I do think there is a good chance that we're going to see some sort of banking changes here in the next six months, six to nine months. Um, and that's awesome because I think then all this garbage goes away, right? Then it's, you, we, we process and you know, it, the gray gets a little less gray. <laughs> awesome. Ryan, I have one more topic I want to touch on before we run out of time here. But, um, so, you know, seeing as, is how you uh, process payments for companies, you, you obviously process, uh, I would imagine uh, distribution, e-commerce, curbside. Obviously, you're looking at, at kiosk and uh, yeah. you know uh, bud tender <laughs> processing payments as well. I'd love to understand, you know, where you see us going right now, or where the trends are taking us. Is it delivery? Is it you know? And this is such a broad question that probably has a different answer for each market. So <laughs> I'm putting you on the spot here and not really giving you a fair shake, but we got about three minutes. So however you want to answer that. Yeah, all good. You know, and you're right. So the first thing I'll say is each state's different. My my home state of Washington, there is no delivery. So there is no choice. You you have to go to the store to pick it up. Um, but where there's broad uh, delivery, you know, availability, California, great example. Obviously, Colorado opened up. You're starting to see e-commerce represent a more material number. If I had to put a number to it on based on our numbers we see coming into our POS, I would say 35% of all transactions are an online order. Now that online order is either delivered or it's picked up at the store, um, you know, where it makes sense for those states that allow delivery, then obviously delivery. But you're still at about a 35 to probably 65 percent still traditional brick and mortar. I still think the traditional model is is going to be important. Yes, e-com and, you know, 
if legalization happens and Amazon, uh, we talk about all these things happening. The reality is a cannabis transaction still is one of those things where you want, sometimes you just want to be educated, right? You need, you want to talk to somebody. It's not, it's, it's, it's not a super simple sale, particularly for somebody who's brand new, right? So you're talking about an industry that has been illegal for a long, long time. So you're going to have a lot of newbies coming in and they're going to want to maybe talk to somebody. So I think your brick and mortar still is going to be pretty predominant, at least for the, the first couple years after legalization. Then I think e-com really starts to kick in and, you know, you get to more traditional. But look at alcohol. I mean, you don't you don't deliver alcohol or there's very few services mm -hmm. that do. Right. You still pick it up in the store because you're going to have an ID verification. You're going to have to be careful of fraud. You don't want char high chargeback risk. So all of those same things are going to apply to to cannabis as they do to to alcohol delivery. Awesome. Ryan, it's been a pleasure, my friend. You obviously are talking directly to our ecosystem and our audience of investors. Uh, awesome. So from that sense, uh, can you leave us with maybe like one fact that they should remember about Possibit leading into this year? Well, probably the best thing I like to say, and I've already said it, so I'll say it again. You know, we're very proud. We've doubled our revenue every single year we've been in existence. There's not too many companies right. that can say that after six years. And, you know, and, and it's not just small numbers. We're finally getting into some, you know, real $20 million is the real company, real numbers. And to be able to continue that kind of growth, I think we're a company to watch. Amen. Ryan, thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much for being here. I hope we're going to see you in April on Miami Beach. Uh, that would be awesome, my friend, but we're not going to put you on the spot this time. Uh, <laughs> but until then, Ryan, you have a blessed one. We'll talk to you All soon. Right. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, Javi, great interview, man. Honestly, yeah. I love getting you know light shed onto these different sides of cannabis for us to truly understand what's happening. But yeah, I, I love getting specific. By the way, a quick shout out to the chat. Manuel, Patrick, VJ, Wilson, David, uh, Josh, Ben. Um, apologies, we didn't get to your questions. Uh, actually, Josh was asking, is this a, a Akerna competitor? I don't think it is. No. Uh, Akerna does seek to sell tracking. Possibit does payments. Um, and Patrick was asking about the secret to winning market share with operators. I am sure we can get to that question the next time we're with it. Cool. I love it. Honestly, I, I don't have the comments in front of me this time, so I can't see them for whatever reason on the platform. But my apologies, we didn't get to those questions. But that being said, y'all, a couple things. Check out the Tommy Chong interview uh, Javier and I did, previewed to, or premiered today at 3 Eastern time. Uh, and then also Thursday. Uh, we set up an amazing panel. Oh, wow. Cobb, Sarah Chase, Tom Zuber, three cannabis powerhouses are coming to talk to Javier Hase about what the heck can we expect from federal legalization in 2022. And Javier, I was on that prep call with those panelists. This is going to be an amazing conversation. Oh, man. It's going to be oof, just details really detailed we get into into what's going on with it, each one of the different bills which what what it would mean you know if different bills passed which agencies would regulate cannabis in each case you know what's going on in capitol hill this is very much insider information direct from capitol hill for these are yeah, these are people who are working on it 
So be oh, yeah. there. We'll be square Thursday at four. Javier is going to lead an amazing discussion. We will be there uh, to ideally maybe get a question or two from you guys in as well. Javier, we didn't talk about that, but we should probably do that. Um, outside of that, thank you all so much for tuning in. BZCannabis.com for our event to come meet us in person and tell us you love us or you hate us. Uh, get that chance in Miami. Uh, yeah. that, you, better, you, you better join us. It'll be a blast and you will be... I don't want to say sorry, but you'll regret. No, there'll be yeah. regret. There'll be immense regret and FOMO <laughs> uh, and no YOLO. Uh, so with that, y'all, we'll leave you to it. Go watch the next one. We're a couple minutes over. Apologies, uh, but have a great day. Peace. This episode is brought to you by Verizon. Get a Verizon Business Unlimited plan from the network businesses rely on. Hey, Monica, with 5G Ultra Wideband in many more cities, you get up to 10 times the speed at no extra cost. Hello, downloads in no time. Plus, unlimited premium data and hotspot data to keep the signal flowing and your teams going. Come in or book an appointment with a Verizon business expert to find the right plan for your team. 5G Ultra Wideband available in over 1,700 cities with Business Unlimited Pro 2.0 smartphone plan. Speed comparison is to median Verizon 4G LTE speeds. Download speeds may vary depending upon network and coverage conditions and content optimization for 5G Ultra Wideband. Jeep Freedom Days are here, where right now, well-qualified returning FCA lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2022 Grand Cherokee WK Laredo E4x4 for $369 a month for 36 months with $3,799 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution, a lease across or capital. Lessee is responsible for termination fees. Current lease must end by 7-3-23. Extra charge for miles over 30000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 7-5-22. Jeep is a registered trademark.